Let me give you our scripture lesson for tonight from the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, if you have your Bibles there and want to turn with me. The Gospel of Matthew, and if you would look at chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, and this is in the context of Peter's question to the Lord Jesus. Peter is speaking in the previous section, in Matthew 19, 27, chapter 19, verse 27, Peter actually begins the 20th chapter with a question when he says in chapter 19, 27, Lord, we have left everything and followed you. What will there be for us? What do we get out of it? Jesus answers in verse 28 of Matthew 19 by saying that those of you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne uh, will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes and everyone, verse 29, who left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive a hundred times or some versions say many, many times as much as well as eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like... Now that's chapter 20, verse 1. He tells a parable. In this parable, a landowner, chapter 20, verse 1, goes out in the early morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Early in the morning. Verse 2 of chapter 20. And he agreed with these laborers for a denarius, a day's wage. Um, we've talked about a denarius before. It's about $100, maybe in our money. He wanted them to go work for a day. They said, well, give us a day's wage. And they made a contract. It says, verse 2, he had agreed with them for a day's wage. So he sent them into his vineyard. Well, it wasn't enough workers. So verse 3 says, he went out the third hour. Now, you count the hours from 6 a.m. So the third hour is about 9 a.m. And he saw others standing out in the marketplace. And he said, you also go and whatever's right I will give you. They went. Then the sixth hour, verse 5, that's 12 noon. And then the ninth hour, that's 3 in the afternoon. Finally, in verse 6 of chapter 20 in Matthew, it says the 11th hour. Now, you go from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so the 11th hour would be 5 o'clock in the evening. He went out, verse 6 says, and he found others standing around. And he said, why are you standing here idle all the day long? And they said, verse 7, because no one has hired us. He said, well... You go to the vineyard and work also. And they said, great. So they took off and worked, and it came 6 o'clock quitting time, and the verse 8, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last group first. In other words, the 5 o'clock people who only worked one hour, he said, start with them. And he started with them, and it says that he gave them, verse 9, a denarius, a day's wage. That's in verse 9. 
Here's a guy who worked one hour, gets a day's pay. Well, the others began to come up for their pay, and guess what? Verse 10, when those hired first came, they thought they'd receive more. Wouldn't you think that? But each of them also received a denarius, a day's wage. Verse 11, when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner. Verse 12, these men have worked only one hour, they said. You made them equal to us. We bore the burden and the heat of the day. But he said to, to them, friend, I have done you no wrong. Did we not agree for a denarius, one a day's wage? Well, didn't you work all day? Well, yes. Well, then there's your denarius. Take what is yours, verse 14, and go. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is mine? And have you become envious because I have become generous? So the last will be first and the first last. Let me nail down what it is uh, in interpreting this so we understand it. There are two or three things to, to understand to get Jesus' point here and why he tells this parable. And the first thing is I want to tell you that Jesus has not done wrong here by paying the men who worked all day a day's wage and by paying the man who worked one hour a day's wage. He has treated no man wrong. Amen? Because he says to them in verse 13, Friend, I have done you no wrong. Did you not agree for a day's wage, a denarius? Well, didn't they? And if you back up to the parable, verse 2 of chapter 20 says, When he agreed with the laborers for a day's wage, he sent them into the vineyard. They had a contract. He did not do them wrong. He did them justly. But some he did graciously. He's... Because he's gracious to others does not mean he's unjust to you. What Jesus is saying is we had a contract. Now these men, look if you'll notice in verse 6, the ones who only worked for an hour and got a whole day's wage anyway. In verse 6, the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing around and said, why have you been standing idle all day long? And they said, no one's hired us. He said, you go to the vineyard. So they went. There's no contract in theirs. They just simply said, okay, we'll trust the, the landowner. We'll trust the employer to treat us right. <laughs> now, I don't advise you to do that unless you're going to work for Jesus. <laughs> But, but that's what these men decided. They said, okay, we're only going to work for an hour. You know, how much trouble can this be? So they said, we'll trust him to treat us right. The first men didn't trust him. They got a contract. They agreed together, verse 2 says, on a day's wage, a denarius. So at the end of the day, he treated them exactly as the contract called for. He did them right. It was the end of the day. They'd worked all day. They agreed for a, a day's wage. They got a day's wage. 
The other guys came up. They had no agreement. They had no contract. They simply put it into the hands of him whose salaries were controlled by it. And he just said, you know, I'm going to give you the same amount. So he did no man wrong. He did some men graciously. And he asked them, why does my goodness provoke your badness? <laughs> right? Okay, over here, I, uh, and, and let's say that I walk up to somebody here tonight and I, and I just take out a $100 bill and give to Renee. Not going to happen, Renee, by the way. Just, uh, just. And Jim's sitting there and, oh. And then I go on. I give Renee a hundred, walk, walk on by Jim, and all of a sudden, Jim's wondering where his hundred's at. It's not there. Have I done Jim wrong when I acted graciously toward her? Isn't it amazing and revealing to the nature of man that the goodness and grace of God to one can provoke sin in the heart of another. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It is envy. You have what I didn't get. Maybe you saw the movie Carrie. <laughs> Hope not, but maybe you did. Some friends were jealous and envious because of her beauty, and so they decided to put a big bowl of pig's blood over her introduction as beauty queen. And the bowl spilled and blood came down. You see, and here's the thing. In so doing, they did not obtain her beauty. They only ruined hers. They didn't get it for themselves. They only ruined hers. That's what envy does. It is an attempt to simply besmirch the other one because I didn't get it. Proverbs 27 verse 4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is awful, but who can stand before envy? So I want to give you this statement. Always, God is always just with us, oftentimes gracious, and he loves to surprise us. He never does us wrong. He's oftentimes gracious and generous, and he loves to surprise us. Do you see what he has done in verse 8? He says, when it came time to pay everybody, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group to the first. In other words, those people hired last, pay them first so everybody can see how generous that I am. Did you know God loves to display his grace in front of legalists? <laughs> he will take somebody that you have written off and just when you think, see, they're in the market, that why aren't you working? I, I've been standing idle all day. Nobody wants me. I'm the outcast. I'm the reject. I'm unwanted and unneeded. I'm at the last hour of life. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in and he says, I want you. He And endows him with the same grace and same goodness and same blessing and favor that he gives the one who started early on. Wow. And then it 
displays that grace in front of all to see. So everybody knows it's of God and sees his goodness. God loves to display his surprising goodness. So in order to understand this parable, remember that he's done nobody wrong. He's done many of them gracious. But one other thing that helps us understand the parable is that it is in the context of Peter's question. Now get this, Matthew 19, 27. Peter said, we have left everything and followed you. What shall there be for us? We've left everything, Lord. Now, most commentaries right here will tell you that what Jesus does is tell this parable to warn Peter about a mercenary spirit in the kingdom. And most of the commentaries will say, Jesus is warning Peter. Be careful, Peter, you have a commercial spirit. I don't find that in reading it. Because Jesus, when Peter says that, we've left everything, what do we get? Jesus then says to Peter, well, here's what you get. Verse 28, you're going to have your own thrones. You're going to rule over Israel. You're going to be at my right-hand man, all 12 of you. That's what you're going to get. And anyone who follows me, verse 29, you leave houses, you give up your family, you give up children and farms for my name's sake, you get much more back plus eternal life. And for the king, see, he doesn't say, but the kingdom of heaven. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard owner who goes out and gets people at all hours of the day and surprises them with how good he is. (laughs) He just shocks people with how he can take somebody and give them, gives them more than they ever dreamed he would give them because of the amount of time they've invested in the, in the God of heaven. I haven't put in the time. I haven't put in the commitment. I haven't put in the emotional energy and, the, and, the, and, and what is required, the sacrifice. And yet here I am blessed. My socks are blessed off. How did that happen? And I hear Jesus say, hey, come here. Yes, I want you to look at all these people. I want you to display for them how good I am. Hmm. Jesus is not giving Peter a warning. Jesus is giving Peter a further incentive to just be fully his. Come to me in full commitment, irregardless of when you come, how you come, how long you've stood idle, how long of the day you have wasted, whether you're unwanted and unneeded and unregarded, you come to me and you watch me bless your life. So I have three quick points to give you. Number one, number one, don't bargain with God, just surrender to him. These guys in chapter 20 and verse 2 When they agreed, when he, the landowner, which represents Jesus, when they agreed with him to work in the vineyard, they agreed. Now that means there was some discussion. I don't know, what do I get? Well, I don't know, what do you want? Well, a fair wage would be a denarius, a day's wage, $100 a day. That's what most people are getting, and I think that that would be fair to us, and I don't think we should work for anything less. And Jesus said, okay. All right, we got a deal. They got a contract. They got a bargain. They wrote, they signed the the papers. And then Jesus walks in there, and at the end of the day, he gives them what they bargained for. But here's these guys who only worked one hour, didn't bear any of the heat of the day, didn't bear any of the burden, and they come along and Jesus says, 
You've trusted me. See, here's the thing. When you bargain with God, you know what you're doing? You're distrusting him. You're protecting yourself from him. Lord, what do I get? What will you do? How long would I have to do this? You're protecting. See, when you're bargaining, you're distrusting him. But if you just do like these 11th hour labors and say, okay, Lord, I've ruined it. I'm done. This is 11th hour. I'm unwanted and unneeded and unnecessary. So I just say, okay, you give me what you want me to have. Just surrender to his work and his will and don't bargain with God. That's one point. A second point is this. Remember that serving Jesus is more joy than it is work. We miss this point. God does not... Look at chapter 20, verse 12. Verse 12, these last men worked... these These are the guys who worked all day long. And they saw these guys who worked one hour. And they said in verse 12, these last men have worked one hour. You made them equal to us. I have taught Sunday school, lo and behold, these many years... I am a member of the Southern Baptist Convention and a regular supporter of the cooperative program. And these young people, you've made them equal to us. No, I didn't. Jesus did with grace. We borne the burden and heat of the day. Who do you think pays the bills? (laughs) Verse 12. Grumbling, comparing, looking at... And the two things that you hear from people who don't serve in grace are how long they have done it. We've we've borne the burden and scorching heat of the whole day. They've worked only one hour. We have worked all day. How long have you done it? Second, how much it has cost you. It has been a burden and scorching heat. Oh, what it has cost me to serve him. How long I have been at it. That is the legal spirit that the Lord wishes to teach us to avoid with all our heart. He does not want us. He wants us to come in and to say, Jesus, you give me what you think is right. And when he gives us what he thinks is right, it is to surprise us by blessings. And here's the thing that I want to say to you is in this whole thing, don't bargain, just trust him, just surrender to him. And remember that he wants joy in labor, not necessarily, and get this, not necessarily efficiency. Jesus is not teaching here that the most important thing is the, is the fruit of the vineyard. He's teaching us that the most important thing is in the attitude of the workers. If he said the vineyard was the most important, he would have said, well, these men have worked all day in this vineyard. This vineyard's got to be here when you've gone. And you, but Jesus puts people first. Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our service to him is to be a celebration of his goodness and his grace. 
He wants joy more than labor. Don't bargain, just surrender. He wants joy more than labor. And third, it's, remember that it's not the beginning. It's not how you begin. It's how you end that counts. The first shall be last, verse 16, and the last shall be first. It's not how you begin. It's how you end that Jesus says is important. Why is grace so wonderful? Because grace erases the legal element of time and work. Grace says God can bless you based not on how long you've worked, but on how good God is. Billy Moore is an example of this. I think this story captures it. Billy grew up in Ohio. He and his friends smoked dope and got drunk and committed theft throughout their early years. Finally, he got he made it to adulthood, got married, lost his jobs. Finally, his wife and child left him, and Billy Moore sat broke, depressed, and desperate. At a local bar, his friends suggested to him that there was an old man down in Georgia who distrusted banks and kept all his money in his bedroom. Billy said, what kind of man is he? Is he a tough guy? said, no, this man's 77 years old. Billy walked out of the bar with the full intent to go down there and rob that man, took a gun with him. He broke into the man's house with the man still awake, and the man took out a gun. The old man shot at Billy, shot over his head. I don't know if it was intentional miss or not, but Billy took out his gun and shot twice at the old man and killed him. Ransacked the house and discovered $5,600 in cash and fled to his trailer in rural Georgia. Didn't take the police long to catch him. Tried and convicted for murder. They put him on death row. And as usual, the justice system takes a while. And a couple in the area visited Billy and told Billy about Jesus. They said, Billy, Jesus can change your life. Billy said, My, I don't have a life to change. They said, Jesus can give you a life. Billy said, there are no new beginnings for me. And the couple said, with Jesus, there's always a new beginning." He thought about what they said. He got on his knees that night, or one night, gave his heart and his life, such as it was, to Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, I don't have much to offer. I got a little bit, a little time left. But if you'll make what's left count, I'll give it to you. He got up off his knees. He was baptized in a death row bathtub. Sixteen years later, his life had been totally transformed. He became known as the peacemaker because that death row wing of the prison had been such a violent, hell-filled place. Billy became the intercessor, a peacemaker, led Bible studies, offered comfort and advice, and became a pastor to the, to the criminals. 
Finally, on August 22, 1990, they scheduled his execution. They shaved his legs and they hooked up the electrodes to his forehead. He was within uh, six hours of execution. His lawyers had called without any hope. He consoled them. He prayed for his lawyers. Mother Teresa tried to intervene on his behalf, but this was Georgia. Within just a small amount of time before the execution, a decision by the parole board so unprecedented, it made the New York Times front page, and it became the first case in history the parole board went back and looked at his record of 16 years after the murder. Whether you agree with it or not, I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't think I agree with it actually. But, but here's what happened: the parole board, which had never done it before, it's never been done in history, commuted his sentence, released him from prison. Today, Billy Moore is a pastor in Rome. Georgia. I want to tell you something. Never say to Jesus, there's no new beginnings. You may end up with as much blessing and grace as the person who has been raised from the earliest time to serve Jesus because it doesn't always go by the amount invested. It goes by generosity and grace and surprising mercies that intervene and shock us even in our own life.